I want to recap just briefly what we talked about this morning. Tonight we're going to kind of have a part two, kind of bring a conclusion to the message we started this morning. We're talking about joy. 2 Corinthians one twenty four says, Not that we lord it over your faith, but are workers with you for your joy. For in your faith you are standing firm. We're talking about working for joy. And we began talking this morning about how absolutely critical that it is for God's people to have true joy. Because joy fuels things like worship. It fuels our witness. It fuels our work for the Lord. It, 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 it fuels our spiritual disciplines like prayer and time in the Word. The fuel for those things is, is joy of the Lord. That's what drives those things. And so it's so critical that we have the joy of the Lord. That's what makes the people of God attractive to those who are not Christians. They see what the Lord's done in us and they see the joy of the Lord in us individually and in us as a group of people. And that joy is contagious. When people see folk who are happy, they, they are drawn to that. Because all people are searching for happiness. And when they see the true source of joy flowing out of you and me, that's attractive to people. And so we talked this morning about how critical it is that we have joy, that no matter what else is right, if we're just orthodox but cold, we still can't thrive. We need to truly have the joy of the Lord. And I gave you this definition this morning. Joy is a sense of gladness, satisfaction, fulfillment, and pleasure in all that God is to you and for you in Jesus. A shortened version of that might be to say joy is to delight in who God is and what He's done. It's to find absolute pleasure and happiness in God, all that He is to us and all that He is for us. I'm going to quickly run through the markers of joy that I gave you this morning. What are some of the things that give evidence of joy? What does joy look like when it shows up in our lives? It looks like a delight in several things. It produces in us a delight for God's Word. Jeremiah 15, 16, Your words were found and I ate them, and your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. A person who truly has the joy of the Lord delights in God's Word. Secondly, another marker we saw is a delight in God's ways. Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, Oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and unfathomable His ways. Paul is just in awe of God's ways. And we talked this morning about how a true joy of the Lord just leaves you in awe of the wonderful ways that God does things. We see His providence in the Scripture and His sovereignty. and We see the way He works in our own lives and in the lives of others we know. So a delight in God's Word, a delight in God's ways. The third marker of joy we noticed this morning is a delight in God's will. Psalm 40, verse 8. I delight to do Your will, O oh my God. Your law is within my heart. Listen, the joy of the Lord will produce in you a delight to do the will of God. A delight 
to walk according to the ways of God and to please God. Fourthly, we said that another marker of joy is a delight in God's work. John 4, 34. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work. The heartbeat of Jesus was to accomplish the work of the Father, to do what God gave Him to do. And I'm telling you, when you really get the joy of the Lord, your service for Him, the work you do for Him, even though it's labor, there's joy in it as you're doing the thing God's given you to do. And the fifth marker of joy this, that we noticed this morning is there's a delight in God's worship. In other words, we delight in seeing God glorified. We delight to worship Him. Psalm 84, 1 and 2. How lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. My soul longed and even yearned for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. We see how the psalmist has a, a, a desire to go to the house of God, to sing and worship. Listen, when the joy of the Lord really gets in you and really begins to overflow, you look forward in anticipation to worship. And this morning I also pointed out that this joy is nothing except for the joy of Jesus Himself. The kind of joy we seek is the joy that Jesus had. John 15, 11. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus told His disciples, I want you to share my joy. I want you to delight in the things that delight me. I want you to find happiness and satisfaction in the things that give me happiness and satisfaction, the things of God. And so what we're after really, this delight is nothing short of the delight that Jesus himself has. We want his joy. And that's where we stopped this morning. And here's where I'm going to pick up tonight. Here's the last thing I want to say to you as we kind of think about what this joy is. And this is important you get this. It is a gift of God. It's a gift of God. Now, let me help you understand what I mean. This joy, this genuine joy of the Lord is something that wells up from inside of you. You can't produce it on your own. You can't manipulate it. You can't just create it. There's no formula. Do this, do this, do this, poof, and there's the joy of the Lord. No, it's the gift of God. It's, it's a work of the Spirit of God that gets down on the inside of you. In other words, God has to do this. You understand? It's supernatural. This is a joy, this kind of joy, the joy of the Lord that we can experience, this is a joy that no unconverted people will ever know. It's a spiritual joy that comes from being in union with God through His Spirit. It's something that God grows on the inside of you. It's something that God gives us as a gift. And it's so important that we understand this, that we can't just manufacture it on our own. We can't just decide, okay, I'm going to be joyful. It's not quite that easy, is it? No. God has to do this in us. So here's the question. If this joy is a supernatural thing, if it's a gift from God, why must I work for it? Why must I work for joy? You remember we read 2 Corinthians 1.24. 
We're workers together with you for your joy. We're working for joy. Well, if it's a gift of God, why do we work for it? Doesn't that seem contradictory? How can something be a gift if we have to work for it? Well, it seems like a paradox, but it's not, and I want to try to explain. There are many things that God commands us to do that in and of ourselves we cannot do. Did you catch that? Many, many things God commands us to do we are not capable of doing on our own. Here's the way I have it on the handout. God commands us to do what we can only do in reliance upon Him. There are things God commands us to do, yet we cannot do them unless God works in us and through us. Rejoice in the Lord always is a command. Rejoice basically means to have joy. Be happy. Can you just decide I'm going to be happy in the Lord all the time? No. But yet God's commanded you to do that. Here's another one for you. Here's another thing God commands you to do that you can't do. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. This is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. How do you get eternal life? It's a gift. But here Paul tells Timothy to take hold of it. Is he telling him to do something he can't do? Well, yes and no. He's telling him to do something he can't do on his own. He doesn't mean earn eternal life. He means this is a gift and you, you seek after it. That might be another way of saying you hang on to your salvation. Right? You, you strive toward a, finishing the race faithfully to God so you will receive eternal life. So it's not a paradox. He's commanding him to reach toward the mark. You remember what Paul said, I have not attained yet, but I press on toward the mark of the high calling of God. That's what he's talking about. Press on. Yes, eternal life is a gift. Yes, we have to endure to the end to receive it. So here's when he, when he commands us to rejoice. He's commanding us to do what we ought to do. But what we can only do in reliance upon Him. I want you to think about this. Is it a sin not to have the joy of the Lord? Is it a sin not to find joy in who God is? Not to find God a source of joy? Certainly it is. For you to look at God and say, nah, don't want none of that. Don't like that. Certainly that's a sin. When you, when you see and know and your eyes are open to God, there should be a joy there and, and something's wrong when it's absent. But we understand this is a joy we can only have if God gives it to us. So I know this seems like a paradox, but, but I'm going to try to help you understand it's really not. It's something that God must do, but that doesn't mean we're passive. 
That doesn't mean we can't do anything in this process to help joy, to promote joy in our own lives. I want you to think about this. And one of the reasons we have to work for joy in this life is because sin is a reality and it is the destroyer of joy. You do realize that. You do realize that the, what hinders our joy in this life is sin. What is it when you find more pleasure in something else than you do in God? Sin. What is it when you take more joy in the things of earth than you take in God? Well, that's sin. Sin is a joy killer. The world, the flesh, the devil. The world in all of its seductions. Can I tell you something? The world finds joy in everything except God. The world finds joy in perversion. The world finds joy in materialism. The world finds joy in exalting themselves as being the center of their own universe. The, joy, the, the, the world finds joy in bragging about what they've accomplished and what they have. Those are seductions that rob the Christian of joy. And the world is something we have to contend with because we're assaulted with all these messages from the world every day. And can I tell you, they'll kill your joy. Not just the world, the flesh. Your sinful human nature. You still live in a, in a body that is not yet redeemed. You still live in a body that is, has sinful desires. And those seductions, those cravings of your sinful nature, when you give in to those, it's a killer of joy. You see, the flesh, the Bible says, is at enmity with God. It's opposed to God. Your human nature is corrupt. You know what's wrong with your human nature? Your flesh, it loves to sin. It loves it. Yeah. Listen, if it didn't love to sin, it wouldn't, right? If, you, if your human nature didn't want to sin, you wouldn't sin. Your human nature loves to sin. And all of those temptations, all of those cravings, they're joy killers. Are you hearing me? The seductions of the world to find joy in everything but God, they'll kill the Christian's joy if you heed to it. Those cravings of your sinful human nature will kill joy if you let them. What about the devil? The world, the flesh, the devil. The devil's primary tactic is to tempt you, to draw you into sin, to lure you into evil. That's what he does. That's how he kills the joy of the believer. By, he knows human nature so well, he knows just when to tempt you and how to tempt you and how to come after you to lead you off of the path of true joy, to convince you that there's some substitute, there's some greater joy, just like Eve. If you'll just eat this apple, you'll be happier than you would if you obeyed God. Isn't that the temptation he still gives today? If you'll do this, you'll be happier than you would if you did what God said. You'll pursue pleasure here. You'll be happier than you would if you pursued it where God said. It's the same seduction. Listen, we have to fight for joy. We have to work for joy because we live in a 
in a, a world that has seductions that lead us into sin. We live with a human nature that craves sin. We have an enemy who's trying to get us to sin, and sin will absolutely kill your joy. You probably have had times in your life when you've fallen into sin, big or small at some point, and you remember the feeling of, of how it absolutely sapped the joy of your fellowship with God. Because sin does that to us. Now, how do I work for joy? Here's where I want to spend the rest of our time together. We've talked about what joy is. We've talked about, it seems like a paradox. It's a, it's a gift of God, but we still have to do something. We can't just sit because we live in a sinful world that would lead us away from joy, that would get us to sin and kill our joy. So what do we do? There's a note on the handout that is critical in all of this. I'm going to give you five ways to pursue joy. I could, there could be more, but these are just the five I chose. But here's the thing you got to keep in mind. These are not techniques for securing joy. I've already told you there's no one, two, three formula to produce joy. These are ways of seeking the Lord for the gift of joy. We are putting ourselves in the path of blessing. What that means is we are seeking joy from the Lord and positioning ourselves to receive it. You understand? You can't make it rain but you can till the ground and plant the seed and prepare for rain, can't you? You can't produce joy in your heart. It's a gift of God. But you can seek the Lord for it and you can prepare yourself for it. You can do all that you can do as you wait upon the Lord to give it. So what are some things we can do as a way of seeking the Lord with a desire to have the genuine joy of the Lord. Here's the first, seek it in prayer. First and foremost, ask for it. Doesn't James say, you have not because you, you ask not. Ask. Seek. Right? That's right. Knock and the door will be open to you. Ask, seek, knock. It's the same thing over and over is persistence. Listen to me. One of the things I pray every day, matter of fact, it's the first thing I pray every day. God, more than I need my next breath, I need to have a love for you and a delight in you. I need to have a joy and a gladness in who you are. I need the joy of the Lord. That ought to be your prayer. It wouldn't be a bad thing if you get yourself in the habit of every time you pray over your meal to pray for joy. Just to get you in the habit of praying for it. Try to remember to do it at mealtimes. Lord, bless this food. Thank you so much for giving us the food we need. God, but I know that even more than I need this food, I need to love you with all of my heart. I need a genuine joy in you, a genuine delight in who you are. You might just get in the habit of praying that with your blessing at meals just to get you in the habit of praying. Listen, listen, do you want to have the real joy of the Lord? 
You want to be like the psalmist in Psalm 119? Go through and read Psalm 119 and you see the, the joy this man has in, in, his, in God's Word and who God is and worship. And that sounds like a fairy tale to some people. Listen, God can give us that real genuine joy right smack in the middle of your gut that overflows into every other area of your life. But it begins when you seek it in prayer. We have to ask for it persistently until God gives it. Well, how long is it going to be? I don't know. I don't know. In his time. But we ought to seek the joy of the Lord every day. Even if you already have joy, because I promise you, you don't have all God's got to give. We won't have all the joy in fullness till we get to heaven. So pray for it. Seek it in prayer. Secondly, meditate on Scripture. Meditate on Scripture. The only way to develop a taste for something is to do what? Taste it. <laughs> you ain't never going to develop a taste for broccoli until you pick it up, put it in your mouth, and chew on it. You can't look at it from across the room and develop a taste for it. You know one of the greatest things you can do if you really want to know the joy of the Lord in your own heart and life? You can take the Scripture, read it in a systematic way. I mean, don't read over here one day and over here one. I mean, pick a point and read. Read, you know, systematically through it. And every day, learn something about God. Read the Scriptures. And look, what does this tell me about God? And when you see it, think about it. Think about it. Meditate on it. Ask yourself questions. This morning I was reading in the book of Job. And one of the things we learn about God is the sovereignty of God in suffering. That God's sovereign even in our periods of suffering when we don't understand God's still God and He's still in control and we're not smart enough to question God. And you just start thinking about God and med over and over and over meditate. Jot down your thoughts. Keep reading further. Look for something else about God. Think about it. What are you doing? You're looking to see God to find joy in who God is. And you pray when you read, God, open my eyes to behold wonderful things in your law. Psalm 119, 18. God, let me see you and let me find joy in who you are. And what do you do? You read and you look for God and you find things about God and you think about God and you do that until you begin to get happy about who God is. How long does that take? I don't know. Do it every day. And on days when you don't feel like it, especially do it on those days. Listen. Learning to ride a bicycle can leave you with some skint knees and elbows. Maybe even not on the head. But it sure is fun once you learn and you can fly down those hills and around those curves on that bicycle. Learning 
may involve some difficulty, but boy, there sure is joy in it once you get a hang of it. Listen, it's the same way with prayer and spending time in God's Word. It, it, it can be a, a little tricky when you start to really find joy in it. it like this intercessory prayer thing we're going to do on Sunday nights. It, it, it may be a little awkward at first. But we're going to keep at it and tweak it and mold it and shape it until it's like riding a bike. It, it flows and there's joy in it. That's what, that's what these spiritual disciplines, that's how they help you. You hang in there through the early stages when you're learning. And the day will come when you'll just, you'll, you won't have to think about it. You'll have your Bible open and you'll be reading and you'll see some wonderful thing about God and you'll highlight it and you'll begin to think about it and, and you'll just get in the habit of seeing God in the Word of God and finding joy. And I need to move on. Seek it in prayer. Meditate on Scripture. Obey God's commands. Can I tell you that there's no reason for you to expect to experience the joy of the Lord if you're living in sin. If you're living a life of sin, there's no reason for you to expect God to give you joy. John 15, Jesus said, Abide in me, let my words abide in you. I'm saying this to you so you can have joy. But then he, he says in that same chapter, Abide in me and let my words abide in you. Abide in my love. And what does he say? He says, what does it mean to abide in his love to obey his commands? So one of the ways we abide in him is by obedience. And it's by abiding in him that that joy comes. In other words, the joy comes as you stay closely connected to Jesus. One of the ways you stay closely connected to Jesus is through prayer and through the word and through Obedience. What are you doing? You're positioning yourself in a place where you can receive the joy of the Lord. When you're walking in disobedience, you're, you're, not, you're not in a place where you can receive the joy of the Lord. But, but when, not, not living a perfect life, but when you're, when you're each day seeking to walk in obedience to God, you're putting yourself in a place where you can receive joy. Here's the fourth thing I want to give you. How? Do our work for joy. Fourth, go to war against your sin. And this is kind of connected to the one before it. Go to war against your sin. Ask the Spirit of God to help you see the sin in your own life. And when you see it, you develop a strategy to kill it. I don't know what your sin may be. It may be gossip, or it may be anger, or it may be lust, or it may be greed, or it may be materialism. It may be gossip. It could be an infinite number of things. But if we want to have joy, we got to go to war against sin. Where does that idea come from? It comes from Romans chapter 12. Paul talks about Killing your sin. And days gone past, they called it mortifying your sin, putting it to death. Listen, we ought to be going to war against our sin every day. We ought to, we ought to do all that we can to rid ourselves of it. Not in our, 
fleshly strength, but by relying on God, seeking with God's help, and with the help of fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. If you, if you need to, you got to sin, you struggle with, go to a brother and sister in Christ who can help you be accountable. Say, so, well, if I do that, they're going to know I sin. Duh. You think they don't know you sin already? Do you think anybody's under the illusion that you're perfect? I hate to burst your bubble. Right? You as big a sinner as the rest of us. Sometimes we need each other. The point is, whatever you have to do to go to war against your sin, find a strategy, find a way to kill it, do whatever you have to. There's some things that I do in order to try to prevent problems with things like internet pornography and things like that. I have a, I have a, 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 a app on my phone that disables my phone from going to any questionable websites. And I can't override it. The only person who has the password to it is my wife. What am I doing? I'm fighting sin. Don't you trust yourself? No. Why? Because I'm not an idiot. No, I don't trust myself. That's gotten me in a lot of trouble in my lifetime, trusting myself. You're not nearly as strong as you think you are. Listen, you need to fight sin. You want to have joy? Seek it in prayer. Meditate on Scripture. Obey God's commands. Go to war against your sin. And here's the last one. I could give a bunch, but here's the last one I'm going to give you tonight. Replace entertainment with edification. Edification is building up. Doing things that build you up in your faith. This is what I mean. You'll spend four hours a day watching westerns and four minutes reading the Bible. No reason for you to expect to find your joy in God when you're, you're that out of balance. You see what I'm saying? There's a temptation. For me, I had to just quit using Facebook. A lot of reasons why I quit using it. One, it's too easy to turn it on and it's a time waster. Well, my time is better spent than flipping through Facebook. Some people can have it like my wife. She can have it and look at it twice a week. It's not, it doesn't bother her. It's not a time waste. For me, if I got it, I'm going to look at it off and on all the time. I finally had to quit it. Why? Because my time is better spent with other things. Hey, let me give you some examples. Take some of that time you'd normally be sitting in front of the TV and do what I like to do. I love to read biographies of Christians from centuries gone by. One of the greatest blessings in your Christian life will be when, you be when you start to read the biographies of great men and women of faith from days gone by. I'm telling you, this was life-changing for me when I began to buy these biographies and began to read them. Of all the books in my life that have impacted me the most besides the Bible, one is The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. The second one is The Biography of George Mueller by A.T. Pearson. That, that book changed me in ways I can't even tell you. George Mueller lived in the 1800s. The biographies of Charles Spurgeon and Jonathan Edwards 
and other great people of faith. Listen, these things can do, not only are the books entertaining, but they can do so much for your faith. You can listen to great preaching anytime you want to. Watch it on TV, on your phone, or your iPad, or your computer. You can listen to sermons. If you're not sure who good people to listen to are, tell me and I'll point you in some right directions. You can find, there, there are apps where you can listen to the Bible with full sound effects in the background. And you can just turn it on and sit and listen to it while you drink your coffee or whatever. Listen, there are a hundred ways you can spend your time in, in ways that encourage your faith. Are you with me? Have a friend over. Talk about what you're learning in the Bible. What, what are you learning in your quiet time? This is what I'm learning. There's so many ways that you can find to spend your time in ways that edify you instead of staring mindlessly at a gun smoke episode you've seen 40, 11 dozen times. I'm using that as an example because my daddy loves gun smoke and that's just what comes to mind. My daddy has seen them all 47 times and still watches them over and over and over and over again. But whatever it is for you, if it's wasting time on YouTube, if it's watching the news all blooming day, well, no wonder you ain't got no joy. Turn that mess off. That's the news is the biggest joy killer in the world. Watch the Weather Channel for a few minutes, figure out if it's going to rain on you, and go on about your business. But my point is, you've got time that you're doing things that we normally consider like entertainment, leisure. Take some of that time and devote it to doing things that encourage your faith. It really comes down to this. If you really want to have the joy of the Lord, you're going to have to position yourself in a place to receive it. You may say, well, I don't want to do all this stuff. I don't want to pray for it. I don't want to meditate on the scripture. I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to replace my TV with reading biographies. I, 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 you know, well, I'm just telling you, joy, you're not just going to wake up with it one day. It's a gift from God. But you won't receive it if you don't seek it. If, if you're not willing to seek after it, then, then you just don't really care that much if you have it. And can I tell you this? If you can be without the joy of the Lord, the true joy of the Lord, if you can be without that and be okay with it, I am worried about you. If you can live your Christian existence with never knowing the real joy of the Lord, and that's okay. You're content to be cold, dead, and lifeless. Then I am worried about you. Can I tell you, none of us walk in the joy of the Lord every moment of every day. Why? We live in a messed up world and we have messed up, complicated lives and there's sin and but we should be able to experience the joy of the Lord. And we should always be seeking after it. And, and it will be at different levels. Some days, some seasons, you'll be on a high. And sometimes it won't quite be as strong. I mean, it's, it's just that way as long as we're in this world. 
But isn't, isn't that what we all ought to be pursuing? Shouldn't we all want to be happy in Jesus? Shouldn't we all be seeking after that? Well, I've given you some things you can do. Pray. Pray for it. Ask God for it over and over and over. Plead with God to give you joy. Waken this heart, God. It's sometimes so cold and sometimes so lifeless and sometimes so unresponsive and so unfeeling. Sometimes we'll come to church and we'll, we'll have these amazing lyrics and these songs and we can sing them and we feel nothing. We have some of the most amazing truth being talked about from the Scripture and we feel nothing. I'm telling you, that is not good. It's not good. We can't be content with that. May God give us a passion to pursue genuine joy until He gives it to us. And to keep pursuing it to experience ever more of it. Because I'm telling you, it's going to make all the difference in your individual life and in the life of our church. Let's take time to pray.